This week on the Rotten and Righteous podcast, Scott makes the worst noise I have ever heard come out of him. Oh, Documentaries. Oh, 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 oh. I see. That was the worst noise I've ever heard come out of you. Welcome back to Rotten or Righteous, the only podcast that is not a corporation, but a beacon, a source of inspiration for one billion lost and frightened souls. But we are also a bank. Please, if you have time today, uh, go over to facebook.com slash Rotten or Righteous and like our page. And, and be honest, you know, if you're listening to this, you clearly have time. Uh, also, you know, subscribe to the podcast. Be kind of cool. If you're listening to it on iTunes, give us five stars. We won't tell anybody that you're... you're Wasting your your God given precious time uh, on silliness like this. Do we really want him to be honest, though? Right. No, just five stars. Yeah, this don't is a corporation. Be, don't be honest. We're not a corporation. We're a bank without no, any money. Bank. We're a bank. We need still still waiting for that check, Colin. Um, <laughs> with me today, as always, his hero is Pope Pius the Ninth who felt the male form might inspire lust. So in 1857, he got a hammer and chisel and unmanned 200 statues. He's Luke Taylor. Ciao. Uh, Along with Luke, he's an old man. So when he gives us counsel, he counsels us briefly. He's Scott Judge. (laughs) Hey, man on that. That is the best introduction you've given me in the history of this show. And me... Scott's going to live forever. Mm -hmm. And me, this podcast has nothing to do with my work. Path of Illumination is a hidden trail through Rome itself that leads to the Church of Illumination, the place where the Illuminati would meet in secret. If I can find Signo, the sign that marks the beginning of the path, the four churches along it may be where he intends to murder murder your cardinals. One every hour at 8, 9, 10 and 11, then the device explodes at midnight. If we can figure out the first church and get there before he does, maybe we can stop it. But I can, can't find the start of the path until I start the show. I'm Zach Geiler. That was the longest introduction ever. I know, and I butchered every single part of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate the killing of birds. Cardinals are so pretty. <laughs> now, I wanted to start... Today was something we haven't done in a while because I miss it, and then that's a no. And that's a, what? No. Yes, we need dumb news. This, yes, absolutely. Stupid news. Yeah. Stupid I, news. But the thing is, there's so much stupid news. So as I was reading through here, you know, there's some some nice stuff about a dog being found, um, a, a pig that's on the loose in South Carolina. Uh. <laughs> You know, uh, some cute panda cubs in a French zoo. A stolen goose statue reappears in a recycling center. This is it. I think, I, 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 no, not that. I think this is our story. This comes to us from Akron, Ohio, very close to where I was born in Canton. Mm-hmm. And the headline reads, Police, stolen Ohio bridge found. Man facing, facing theft charges. 
Ohio Bridge. I repeat, stolen Ohio Bridge found. Huh. Does that tickle your fancy? Mm -hmm. It's it's got me wondering a lot of things right now. Akron, Ohio, by the Associated Press. A 58-foot-long pedestrian bridge stolen from an Ohio city last month has been found, and a man is facing charges, police said. I still don't know. 58 foot. I mean, that's pretty long. Yeah. That's a pretty good-sized bridge. That this like man's, 20 yards. I'm already impressed that he was able to steal a bridge that spanned a road, I'm imagining, uh, for pedestrians. They're thin, but still, and was able to not only steal the bridge, but remain uncaught for a month. Where do you hide a bridge? <laughs> It's a great question, Zach. Where maybe, do you hide a bridge? Maybe he took it apart and then rebuilt it over another road. And the cops just kept driving underneath it, thinking that that was the bridge that was supposed to be there originally. <laughs> we can't find this bridge anywhere. Okay, so Akron police said investigators acting on tips and other information Friday afternoon found the missing span partially disassembled on property in Sharon Township in neighboring Medina County. A man has been arrested and charged with felony theft, police said. The Akron Bridge, described as a Lego-like structure, once crossed a river in Akron's Middlebury Run Park near Goodyear's World Headquarters. It was taken down in 2003 and 2004 as part of a wetland restoration project and was stored on park property with plans for it to be reused for a battered women's shelter project. <laughs> I'm not laughing. I mean, that's a noble cause. Every everyone needs a battered women's shelter project, or in Luke's case, just a battered husband's shelter project. What are you gonna do with a bridge? Hey, I'm sorry your wife beat you, but you can walk across something. Merry Christmas. It looks like it's just like sitting in the guy's backyard. I found the story online. Well, I found this story online, too. You're not special. Police discovered on November 3rd that someone had removed the treated deck boards of the 10-foot-wide, 6-foot-tall structure on November 11th. They found that the metal frame had had also been taken. Now, have you seen the price of lumber lately? I don't blame this guy. You have this bridge that's sitting there. Nobody's using it forever. It's, It's just been sitting there for... When did they say the... It was taken down almost almost 20 years ago, 2003, 2004. Uh, I don't I don't blame this guy with the price of lumber. Oh. It was just sitting there out yeah, in the... This is, this is fair game. A 63-year-old man was charged with felony theft, according to Akron Police and Court Records. Authorities alleged that he paid a trucking company for crane service, and the firm picked up the bridge and took it to Medina County. <laughs> How in the world did he get away with this for a month? Nobody looked out their window at Goodyear World Headquarters and was like, huh, I wonder wonder why that crate's taking that battered woman's bridge away. The suspect is scheduled for arraignment later this week in Akron Municipal Court. An official said Monday he has no attorney yet. Listed phone numbers for him were not in service. The bridge is expected to be shipped back to Akron in the coming days. So there you go. If you see a bridge that's not yours, leave it alone. So if something sits out for 20 years, does that still belong to the person who well, left I, it there? How many times have you like walked through 
the woods, because this was at a park, it said. How many times have you walked through the woods and saw something, like, old or useless or whatever, and you just pick it up? I mean, it's it's just sitting there. Never. <laughs> you never picked it? You never found, like, I don't know. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but like a like a bench, and went, man, that would look good <laughs> in my yard. No, not like a bench, but like Luke when he was walking around on the beach, found a grenade. Are you telling me the army could come and, and chase him down? Be like, hey, that's our grenade. That's it. Your your felony theft. You stole a grenade from the U.S. Army. <laughs> it's only been there for eighty years. Yeah, I, I, I'm just saying. I mean, the fact that he was able to get a crane in there, strap up the bridge, get it onto the back of a truck, drive it to wherever he wanted it, really tells me that this bridge, they only cared about it once they realized it was missing. Like, it wasn't doing anything. (laughs) Here's my question. What is the statute of limitations on a bridge? I feel like he actually did them. I mean, this seems like a service. They clearly weren't doing squat with this. And then they just came up with this story. They're like, oh, yeah, we were going to use it for a women's shelter that we were supposed to build <laughs> 10 years ago. <laughs> That's still in the plans. Uh, hey, we got to follow this because I think you'll get away with it. I really do. I hope so. Me too. Sign the petition. Save the bridge. I just want to say I said something really stupid. I said nobody cares about a bridge until it's gone. I think that's true of all bridges. I think all bridges, you if you use a bridge, you're never thinking like, man, I love this bridge. This is my favorite bridge. But if the bridge is gone and you need it, <laughs> you're like, oh, wonder, I wonder where this bridge <laughs> went. That bridge. <laughs> Astute observation. <laughs> this week we watched... The 2009 American mystery thriller documentary titled Atheistic Jones and the Conclave of Doom. It's good. I think Atheistic Jones and the Conclave of Doom perfectly describes Ron Howard's 2009 mystery thriller documentary, Angels and Demons. In what what, uh, way do you classify this as a documentary? Uh, Because it's a true story. True story. I mean, all movies that we watch, Luke, take place in real life. They're oh, actually that's how I forgot. That's how movies work, dude. <laughs> what you think people just <laughs> get together? That you think people just get together and make these? No, they just find an interesting <laughs> guy and they follow him around with cameras for a while. Every movie is just the Truman Show, right? So basically, Scott is right. There is a lot of murder and there is a lot of Catholics. But it's not murder among the Catholics so much as I don't think the assassinate or the assassin throughout the movie is Catholic. I think he just plays one on TV. Well, that would kill your documentary. No, I said TV. Everyone knows TV is fake. Movies are documentaries. I see. That was the worst noise I've ever heard come out of you. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> <laughs> no, you just went. <laughs> you sounded like Job of the Hut getting tickled at something. <laughs> just make that the introduction. All right, so the movie begins the way all good movies begin with the death of a pope. <laughs> <laughs> Name one other movie that begins with the death of a pope. <laughs> um, pope death. Pope NATO. 
the movie where um, a yeah. tornado came and a bunch of popes got sucked up into it and they people were running away from them because the popes were going to get them in the tornado. I must have missed that one. Yeah, and Pope Death 1, Pope Death 2, and then the trilogy, Pope and, Death 3. And then they did like a crossover, Pope Death versus Jason versus Friday the 13th. <laughs> I'm glad I missed that one. And then they did another crossover, Pope Death versus Aliens. And then uh, Predator Pope versus Pope Death. That was one Predator where, Pope. Yeah, where that the, one the Predator. Was, that, that's real life. That's based on the true story. <laughs> to catch a Predator Pope. <laughs> to catch a Predator Pope. <laughs> one of the good things about this episode is most of the humor is going to come from me trying desperately to pronounce these these words correctly. Because there's a whole bunch of Italian and Latin, and I'm just I I just ain't very good at English, let alone this. Anyways, uh, like I said, the, the movie begins with the death of Pope Pius the Sixteenth, and they're uh, you know they're sad for a moment, but they gotta get ready because uh, they there needs to be another pope. You know that's how it works. Pope dies, new pope comes in, and how do you how do you get a pope? Well, you have a papal conclave. Which sounds like the worst party you could be invited to. Hey, you want to come to the papal conclave? I don't. You tell me. Is it true that they used to have those at Hef, uh, Hefner's mansion? Right. <laughs> right. They had papal conclaves. That's what they did in the grotto. Um. <laughs> <laughs> they sealed them in the grotto. <laughs> I'm sorry. So basically, uh, basically a papal conclave, for those that don't know, is a bunch of old dudes get dressed up in like lacy red dresses and they get sealed into a room that's chained and they talk about who they want to be pope. And uh, they're in there for as long as it takes for them to pick a new pope. And, uh, you know, they, they the only communication to the outside world in a normal papal conclave is they send smoke up through the chimney. If it's if it's uh, uh, black, they haven't picked a new pope. When it's white, the conclave's over because they chose a new pope. Now, I say that the way it's supposed to work is they're, they're chained in this room, literally sealed in this room with a wax seal. The way it's supposed to work is they don't have out, outside contact, except in this movie, that's all that happens is this conclave getting outside contact. They talk to this conclave... <laughs> more than because the whole movie they're like we can't bother the conclave what do you mean you can't bother you bothered him 47 times already in this movie what's one more time while the conclave is in session uh father obi-wan kenobi is in charge (laughs) of the whole vatican and i say that because his name's father patrick mckenna but i will be referring to him for the remainder of this episode as father obi-wan kenobi because it is played by none other than ewan mcgregor and apparently this position, uh, basically the, the dead Pope's uh, right-hand man, uh, I think it's called the Camerlingo. I don't know. He's the one that's in charge until a new Pope is is found. During what uh, the, the plot summary on Wikipedia says is the uh, Sede Vacante period, which sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. I mean, could you go for some carne asada Sede Vacante? <laughs> I could. <laughs> I tell you what, you slap a little <laughs> vanilla bean ice cream on that, you can't beat it. You're right. It's a picante, said a picante. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, at CERN, 
one of the world-famous Catholic priest scientists that work at the Large Hydron Collider is getting real close to harvesting some antimatter, along with his uh, assistant, Dr. Victoria Vetra, an Italian pretty lady. That's basically all she is in this movie, is a pretty Italian lady. Now, this is my first problem I had... (laughs) When I was watching this movie, it almost ruined the whole movie for me because I almost couldn't get back on board. I'm sitting there watching all these guys at the Large Hydron Collider. They're like, oh, protons firing up. They're like, oh, here comes the protons. That's not how protons work. You can't, there's no time when a proton is moving from point A to point B. There's no time for you to go, oh, there they go. I mean, they're traveling at the speed of light. But besides all the weird science in this, the thing that bothered me was like, the main dude of this science project trying to get this dark matter collected is a Catholic priest. Like, robes, collar, and all. And I just didn't stop to think. I, I just couldn't get on board with that. I mean, how many scientific Catholic priests do you think there are at CERN? None. That's not any mo- Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, traditionally, like, a ton of scientists who develop things... Um, that the Catholic Church now opposes actually came out of the Catholic Church. Like the Big Bang Theory was um, developed by a Catholic. Are priest. you telling me that TV show was filmed there? That's so cool. <clears throat> Bazinga! Yeah, I just want to know why he's wearing his collar while he's in his lab. I mean, I know they wear it around sometimes, but like this is a big day, and he just decided to put his collar on. I mean, listen, you can either have a wife or you can have one of these collars. Not both. I mean, if you give up a wife for a collar, you're going to wear it. So, anyways, this 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 experiment to create this black matter is successful, and and Victoria uh, uh, goes down to to check on check on Father Scientist, and and he's moited. He's been moited right there. Moit. He's been moited, and not only that, but the guy that killed him stole his ding ding dang eyeball. Just stole it. You know, I hate to say that was cool, but that was pretty cool. Cause it just yeah, it's awesome. I love, was, I, I love seeing was, bloody eyeballs on the floor. It's so good. Hey, oh, what are you, Shrek? It had the whole... The you whole in a martini? There. That was a great job for effort. Well, another problem I had... Yeah, he, uh, he didn't steal it. He kind of just borrowed it. Yeah, he needed it in order to get past the ocular scanners in CERN. You know, those CERN ocular scanners where you take your eyeballs... And you put them on there, and they they scan them, and they let you in. So, one, know, does your eye dilate when it's torn out of your head? Oh, I don't know. Great question, Luke. But can we just stop for a moment? Because Victoria says something again that I know I shouldn't get hung up on little details, but she says something about his eyeball later on in the movie that bugged me because she was she was like, "Oh, they cut out his eye." Now. So far, we've referred to this man's eye being removed from his head. We've said pulled out, popped out, scoop out an eye. I've never once heard somebody be like, oh, they cut his eyeball out. It just There wasn't a clean cut on that thing. (laughs) it, It looked like Shrek needed an eyeball for his martini, and he just went, he just reached inside there and popped it out. Um... And, and popped it out. <laughs> <laughs> so, Father Scientist is dead. And worse than that, Victoria discovers that one of her canisters of antimatter has been stolen. 
And this stuff is highly and volatile. That. And worse than that. I mean, I do what think... What could be worse than your antimatter being stolen? There's only one thing I can think of. Having your eyeball cut out? No. Your house being turned into ice cream. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> I thought Dang someone it! would get that. Dang it! Dang it! Oh, I want to go home. I quit. I can't believe I missed that. Uh. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> so, shortly after this antimatter is stolen, four preferides, which are the four most favorite old dudes that uh, are going to become the next pope, one of these four, are kidnapped by a man claiming... To represent the Illuminati. I have to whisper that word because I'm afraid they're going to come and get me. And then he sends the Vatican, the Illuminati guy sends the Vatican a warning claiming that he's going to murder each one of the cardinals from 8 p.m. to midnight. And at midnight, the stolen antimatter's chamber will run out of battery that's suspending it. And then it'll become unstable and Boom! The whole Vatican will be raptured. So, when you're with the most powerful church in the world is under threat by the Illuminati, one of your father scientists gets his ding dang eyeball popped out, and your whole church is in threat of being turned into a high school, who do you turn to? <laughs> Guy in a Speedo. That's right. You turn to Tom Hanks in a Speedo. I could have gone my whole life without seeing Tom Hanks in a Speedo, Luke. I just want to let you know that. My life, your life. <laughs> Don't, Dude, get life really. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. We'll see tourists here walking around in a Speedo, and it's just like, oh, man, go back to Europe. Now, listen, I, Tom Hanks one of my favorite actors. I think he's one of the best actors of our time. Don't want to see him in a Speedo. I don't want to see anybody in a Speedo, really. So the church sends over a guy to pick up Professor Robert Langdon, a symbologist who's brought to the Vatican to help. Now, I'm not an intercontinental traveler, but they get this warning that at 8 p.m., the first preferiti <laughs> is going to be destroyed. They manage to track down Robert Langdon in a swimming pool which either they have been spying on Robert Langdon and knew exactly where he was, or they probably stopped at a few places in order to find Robert Langdon in the Harvard swimming pool. And somehow they were able to get him from the Harvard swimming pool to the Vatican with time left to spare. How long is a flight from Harvard to the Vatican? Probably, I mean, if you're flying... Um... I imagine they're flying Air Vaticanus. Yeah, they're. <laughs> if you're flying commercial, you could probably. If you flew straight, it would probably be nine hours. But they're, you know, obviously they got some. They can get around some rules. I don't know how tech, how fast you're technically allowed Dude, to fly. Dude, you are, you are vastly un underestimating how long it's going to take. All right, right now I'm just looking up flights from. Uh, yeah, from Harvard to, to Rome. And the shortest one I've seen so far is 10 hours and 50 minutes. Is it direct? Uh, that one has one stop. There are no direct flights that I can find. Well, you can't do it if it has one. I mean, they're not they're not going to make a connecting flight, right? They're flying private. Now, you can buy a $3,813 round trip that has two stops that will take you 39 hours and 25 minutes to get there. <laughs> That's the one they took. 
Now, granted, here's one from United Lufthansa. I didn't know you could get to Rome in 11 hours and 40 minutes for $939. I'm about to go to Rome. Yeah. Hey, if, if you don't take bags with you, you can, <laughs> you can fly United. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that I'd want to. I don't know that I'd want the wife to go anyway. So <laughs> there's one stop with a change of airport. You have to go to a different airport for this one. <laughs> All right. So my point is, my point is, is that <laughs> I, the timeline's a little funky here. But somehow Robert Langdon is able to arrive in the Vatican. He's not jet lagged this entire time. He's totally cool. Uh, and he gets there to the Vatican, and he's being ushered in and just treated like like some poo that you'd find on your shoe. Nobody likes him. Everybody's like, like, ooh, Robert Langdon, you said bad things about us. Now, if the Catholic Church didn't like everyone who said bad things about them, they wouldn't be able to like anyone. No one. I mean, think about it in your Especially life. you. I say nothing but nice things. In nomine patri et filiac spiritus sancti. <laughs> Or so as, Rome is actually six hours ahead of Harvard. So how does that makes even less sense now? Yeah. So if he left at ten o'clock and it's let's just say it's an eight hour flight, an eight hour flight, he was able to fly nonstop. All right. What time? It was early morning when he left. So what? We're talking like six a.m. Let's say it was six a.m. He's in his. You know, every every college professor is in a speedo at six a.m. I mean that's just fact. Um. 6 a.m., he gets on his flight, eight hours, puts us where? I'm not doing the math, guys. I'm just giving the, the numbers. <laughs> Somebody else do this. On. Well, it's Why like 8 it? o'clock at night. No. Yeah, How in the world six. is an eight-hour flight starting at 6 a.m.? What time would he arrive Harvard time, Scott? Oh, Harvard time, it'd be 2 o'clock. But you okay, said they're 2 o'clock. ahead. Yeah, so it would be in time. Okay, he had to have left immediately. He wouldn't have had time to grab his suit. They must have given him a suit on the plane. Be like, Translation, Mr. Robert Langdon, please, please stop wearing just a Speedo and take this suit. They took him to his office, remember? And he, they had that discussion. Oh, right. They had to have like, a stop, 20... Stop pretending you're not coming. Yeah, he had to have a 25-minute conversation. I, I, okay, so basically, the first two preferred he'd be dead by the time Robert got there. Let's be honest. But <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If, he, if he left at 7, that would be five, eight-hour flight, five hours. He'd get there 3 o'clock Harvard time plus 6, so that'd be 9 p.m. Be nine. Yeah, yeah. First, yeah, so that would be just in time for the first preparated, uh, our second preparated to bite it. Robert is also shown during the... Uh, the conversation on trying to get him to to come to the Vatican, he is showing shown something called an ambigram. For some reason, when I was watching the movie and they said ambigram about four hundred thousand times, I just by the way, an ambigram is a a image or word that looks the same whether you're looking at it uh, right side up or upside down. It looks the same. But for some reason, that song Black Betty popped into my head, Scott. I just kept started singing it to Kelsey for some reason. Like, Whoa, Black Betty, ambigram. <laughs> what is what does he actually say there? I have no idea. In my mind, it's ambergram from now on. Whoa, back Betty! Ambergram. Ah, uh, that works for me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So there's this ambergram that says Illuminati 
whether you look at it forward or backwards. And it was real cool because the uh, the guy that got his eyeball popped out of his head got branded with that. So that's fun. So the guy not only was able to pop a man's eyeball out, steal the Black Matter canister, all while Victoria is making a short walk from the observation deck down into where these canisters are being held, but he also took the time to somehow superheat an iron brand and stab it in the chest of Father Scientist. Listen... Man. You're just shooting holes in the time frame of this movie. Angels and Demons takes place in a a world where it takes as long as it takes. That time... And it could be that maybe there's not really time. The time is suspended. Maybe. Maybe the time is just an Illuminati illusion. Yes. Hmm. Whoa, back Betty! Amber Graham. (laughs) Amber Graham. (laughs) Luke, would you rather be called Black Betty or Amber Graham? Ambergram. All right, Black Betty. <laughs> All right, so Robert Langdon is at the Vatican, and everybody's just treating him like a dog poo. And uh, he's like, guys, you don't get it. I need to look at some book that you have down in your archives. And they're like, nah, we're not letting you down there. We know about you, Mr. Langdon. You're, you're a big old butt exposing all our secrets and whatnot and he's like guys i promise not to do that but if i don't look at this i can't save your your perforiti and they're like nope we're not gonna do it but then thank goodness father obi-wan kenobi's there because he's like i'll let you in there mr langdon great and so he goes down there and he and dr victoria vetra who's also there for some reason is taken down to the archives which are these big glass rooms that have a little bit of a vacuum on them. The only reason why I say that is it comes into play in just a moment. Like, there's a little bit less oxygen in there. And they examine Galileo Galilei's banned book, his third one, that the church didn't like too much, so they burned all the copies, except for one that they put in their special collection. So... (laughs) Do you have a concern? No. I just... I want to know how much... Because... As much as I don't like the Catholic Church, their archive is something I would love to see. Because it has to have some cool stuff oh, down yeah. in there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you have like almost 2,000 years of relics and... Fine, I must have said something that upset Scott. Oh, Black Scotty, Amber Graham. <laughs> he gone. I guess we can bring up the point that uh, the main person that doesn't like Langdon when he gets there is this guy named Commander Richter, and he's the head of the Swiss Guard who are in charge of the security at the Vatican. I don't know either. It's it's a it's a country inside the country. It's a country inside the city of Rome, which is inside the country of Italy, but they're guarded by the Swiss. I wonder if Scott's coming back. I have seventeen message notifications. I assume one of them is from him. Don't know what happened. Be back shortly. Is that what he said? They find this band book, and in the margins, like waterprint, there's like this English poem. And it's not written in like ye old English, like the, the King James. I mean, I'm talking modern English, which is crazy because it clearly was put there by Galileo. <laughs> <laughs> he was ahead of his time. But anyways, they read this English watermark Technically, they they deface a book that is probably the last one in existence. They just rip a page out of it like it's no big deal. (laughs) And then they just... (laughs) I I mean, I get it, but... I don't understand why 
it'll just take the whole book. <laughs> it's not that big. <laughs> She's just like, rip. The whole page is gone. Yeah, it's crazy. And then uh, they read it. They're like, oh, this has to be the Pantheon, one of the oldest churches, uh, Catholic churches in Rome. They run there, and it ain't, it's not there. It's not the Pantheon. And then at the last minute, Robert's like, oh, Robert, you idiot. Everyone knows that it's actually Cheeky Cat or Cheeky Chapel. You know, <laughs> Cheeky Chapel. Everyone knows that. And so they rush to this chapel, and they're accompanied by, like, the only cool, like, like police Swiss guard dude, a guy named Ernesto Olivetti, because Dan Brown's racist. And um, I think it's racist to name an Italian character Olive anything. <laughs> no, they like it. Right. Okay, so him and Ernesto and Olivia and this other dude named Claudio Vicenzi, which it doesn't really matter. I just like saying his name. They rush to Chigi Chapel, the dumbest named chapel in all of Rome. But they're too late. The first cardinal, Cardinal Ebner, is dead. Butt naked, because every movie that Luke wants to watch forced me to look at man butt. This time it was a wrinkly old mm-hmm. man butt. Butt naked, his he was mouth... was definitely buried in the dirt, so you didn't see any man butt. No, you definitely see some wrinkly old crack. Trust me. I, I, every, I see it every time I close my eyes. <laughs> he's covered with rats that are just munching on him. And he's suffocated. Suffocated? He just done suffocated on a, uh, a mouthful of dirt. And he was branded with the... Whoa, back, Betty! Hamburgramp word. Earth. It's here at the Chigi Chapel, dumb, dumb name, uh, that Robert Langdon discovers that every one of these church buildings is going to have a, a Bernini statue. And each one of these Berninis are going to point you in the right direction. And Langdon discovers that uh, the second altar... The second place they're going to find one of these these uh, preferities at is actually back at St. Peter's Square at the Vatican. So they rushed there, and sure enough, they found themselves a little Berniti uh, 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 relief sculpture thing on the ground. And here comes Cardinal Lamasse running through the crowd going right exactly where the assassin wanted him to go. And he's just dying on the ground there because both his lungs were punctured. And on his chest was branded the word air. Now, during this scene, I asked myself, what are the odds that this guy gets stabbed twice, one in each lung, and that he stumbles and falls directly on top of the Bernini plaque where he's supposed to fall? Did, like, the assassin coach him? Like, hey, it would be really cool of you if when I stab you in the lungs, if you just stumble and die over there, that'd be great. Please? Can you please do that for me? And then the 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 preferee's like, yeah, man, I got you. Go ahead, stab away. Oh, don't forget to burn my chest with an. Whoa, back, Betty. Amber Graham. <laughs> well, uh, otherwise he was gonna get trampled because there was no other space. Right. But and he dumped him there, so I mean, he couldn't go very far. So, anyways, his Amber Graham says "air" on it. If you haven't realized now, each one of these Illuminati brands that they're uh, they're branding these guys with. Are elements of the earth. So we have air, earth, fire, water, and 
each one of these Bernini statues is actually leading them to the Chapel of the Enlightened, the Illuminati Church, and that's where the bomb's supposed to be. I'm sure I said that, but I don't know. It's it's super fun. So anyways, uh, this dude dies. He's dead now. But the, the assassin was really cool because he left a, a threatening note on uh, this Preferiti's body. And it was like, hey, your, your special professor guy ain't going to be able to save you. You better stop it or I'm going I'm to do more bad stuff. And I'm like, assassin guy, you already put a bomb in, underneath the Vatican. What more could you possibly do? What, what other bad things are you going to do? <laughs> but uh, for some reason, when, when Victoria reads this note, she begins to get a little suspicious about the death of the Pope Pius Sixteenth. Maybe, just maybe, he didn't die of a stroke, as was previously reported. Maybe, just maybe... He was murdered with his own medicine that stopped him from having strokes. This thing, their medicine called Tenza, or Tenzaparin, or Tenzaparin, 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 I don't know. It's T-I-N-Z-A-P-A-R-I-N. Tenzaparin. Which the Pope had been secretly taking for his thrombophlebitis. Got that. First take. Boom. Nice. <laughs> this thing that was giving him seizures. And so, Father Obi-Wan Kenobi is like, yeah, the Pope did have thrombophlebitis, but uh, it was a secret because nobody wanted to know the Pope was sick. And then Victoria's like, listen, if he had, if he was really killed by his medicine, his mouth is going to be all black and gross. And then Obi-Wan Kenobi's like, oh, great, we should go look at his body. And so that's what they do. They run downstairs and they open up the Pope's casket. And sure enough, this old Pope his mouth's all black and gross and swollen. Now, at one point, talking about the timeline of this this movie and how everything is just just perfectly timed, Pope or Father Obi Wan Kenobi's like, "Are you telling me that signs that he was poisoned by his medicine, this black tongue and black mouth? Are you telling me that the, the signs are still going to be around even though he died two weeks ago?" And Victoria's like, "Dude, it takes over a week for these signs to show up in the first place." <laughs> so dumb so now we know the Pope was moited right along with everybody while they are and that the murderer must be an inside man right they got Illuminati in the Vaticani meanwhile Robert goes to the archives in order to discover something else and he discovers where the next church is going to be the altar of fire it's going to be at Santa Maria della Victoria. Can you imagine that being the name of your church? Like, for real? Where do you worship at? Oh, me? I, I worship at Santa Maria della Victoria. Where do you worship at? Oh, you know, uh, Fontana de Quattro Fuimi. Fu <laughs> oh, so the, uh, the na- hold on, I need to look it up because I can't remember it all. The church here is called uh, the Church of Dulce per- Nombre de Maria Cathedral Basilica. Ah, eh, you know, that's something easy. Something easy that rolls off the tongue. It's now, a I sweet should- name of Mary Basilica. So, anyways, I should note that before uh, they go to Santa Maria della Vittoria, um, somebody turns off the power to the archive room. But it's okay, because Robert Langdon just shoots bulletproof glass. 
about five times and then pushes a bookcase filled with priceless artifacts on it and the window breaks somehow right before the power gets turned back on. (laughs) (laughs) That is funny, though, when the power comes back on. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Just millions and millions of priceless artifacts and and irreplaceable literature destroyed, but eh, that's a joke. Then we're off to... It was in those little boxes. It's fine. Then we're off to Santa Maria della Vittoria, where they find the fourth or the third preferiti, Cardinal uh, Guiadera, being burned to death. Not really. Mm. He's like chained up above a bunch of burning pews, but the fire seems to be pretty far away from him. Yeah, that would be the worst, though. Like, I'd rather them just toss me in. Well, don't worry. They do. Uh, he's branded with fire. And then Langdon's like, hey, I'm going to go and save this guy because not only am I a college professor, but I'm also capable of holding the weight of a full-grown man dangling over fire on chains. And you guys just kind of somehow figure out how to get him down. It's not a very good plan. Robert's just up there trying to get the chain loose. And I'm like, Robert, Mr. Langdon, for as smart as you are, you're being real dumb right now because if you get those chain looses, that dude's just going to fall straight down into fire. But then the assassin shows up and murders everybody. And I mean everybody. It turns into, like, John Wick Catholic edition here for just a moment. He shoots... <laughs> he shoots everyone. Except, of course, for Mr. Langdon, because uh, you can't kill him. He's the main guy. It's a good thing Victoria was doing the uh, illegal exhumation of the Pope's corpse, or she probably would have been a shot here, too. I was bummed that my favorite character dies here, the uh, Ernesto. Yeah, Ernesto. He doesn't even get, like, a second thought. He's just, like, capped, and they never mention him again. <laughs> no, he gets the knife. He was he like, gets his throat cut. I know, but he was, like, a major part of this movie so far for, like, the first hour and a half, and then he's just like, who was Ernesto? Let's, let's not talk about him anymore. <laughs> he was like, oh, guys, I have to go to my other job. They're like, all right, kill him. But uh, Langdon escapes by rolling underneath some Catholic, I don't know, altar, junk, whatever. Their church is filled with good hiding spots. But uh, after other cops show up and he's rescued from his hiding spot, I should note that the the preferee did fall in the fire and was burned up. He's dead now. Uh Langdon finds the the next Bernini sculpture, and he's like, I get it now. I get it. And he looks at a map of Rome, and he realizes that the uh, 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 the Illuminati made a cross with their churches all across Rome. And that means that the final altar, the altar of, of water, where they're going to find the fourth and final preferiti, is Piazza Navana, where there's a sculpture of four rivers. And so Langdon rushes over there, escorted by two Vatican police officers who are immediately killed by the assassin again. As soon as they get there, the assassin's just like, pew, pew, with his little silencer gun. They're done. He's just killing people left and right. Nobody cares. Um, I want that suppressor. That was great. I know. I wish I had that suppressor, too. Everyone insta-dies, too. Pew, pew. Everyone just insta-dies. It's (laughs) And he's shooting like, I don't know, it's going to be like a twenty-two. Yeah, it's great. And he's just killing people left and right. Scott, we're at the uh, Fortuna del Quattro Fiumi. Oh, oh, yeah, good scene. Good scene there. So anyways, uh, they get there just in time for these two police officers to get shot and the fourth preferiti to be dropped in the world's deepest fountain. 
I'm sorry, but that fountain was not that deep on the outside. It looked like it was maybe like six inches deep. But when they dropped the uh, <laughs> when they dropped <laughs> the cardinal in there, it turned out to be like an Olympic <laughs> Olympic depth diving pool, like <laughs> fourteen feet. Is all strange. And so, but but Langdon jumps in after him, and he's like, "Hey, will somebody help me?" That's my best Tom Hanks impersonation. I know it's not good. <laughs> he's like, "Hey, everybody, there's a snake in my boot. Somebody help me get this cardinal out." Nobody listens. Nobody's like, "Who cares? We got three other preferities. Why am I going to get my clothes wet for this one?" Uh, <laughs> and 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 Langdon's the weakest person in the world underwater. He's the only person who loses strength underwater because he can't lift this guy up. <laughs> the the uh, yeah, I was the trying other, to figure that out. Is is there weights? I mean, there were, but still, that... like Scott, if we were in a pool, I could lift you up. That's what water does. Yeah, you know. We, you probably could have done this fairly easily. The guy rolls him out of his mini. I don't. I want to know how that dolly got into that mini bus. I don't know. It's it doesn't even matter. What matters is Langdon's down there. He's struggling. Eventually, he finds like a little pump thing that's oxygenating the fountain, uh, and he gives it to the 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 preferee. He's like, "Hey, stick this gross tube in your mouth." And the preferee's like, "Okay, thank you. I can breathe now." <laughs> And finally, after like 20 minutes of Robert Langdon struggling alone in the world's deepest fountain, another Italian guy's like, hey, I guess I'll help you and let me jump in. And then like six other people are like, oh, that guy's helping. We should help too. And so like 12 people jump into this fountain and they all work together to get the final preferity up to safety, all except for that massive third degree burn on his chest that says water because he also got branded by... Whoa, back Betty! Hey, Amber Graham. That might have, he might have felt better after he took that little swim. Luckily... The assassin allowed the preferities to know where he was keeping them because the fourth preferity was able to tell Robert Langdon that he was being held in the Castile St. Angelo, which is at the Vatican. So two of these places were at the Vatican. This dude has just been running around this building all night killing people and nobody has seen anything. I It's, it's nuts. Crazy. Man, he's such a good assassin. So, you know, they rush back to the Vatican to go to the Castle St. Angelo. Meanwhile, the mean Swiss guard guy, the dude named Richter, takes away these journals that Victoria Vetra was was looking at. And I don't even know why he did this, because it's not explained anywhere else in the movie. She's just looking over these journals, thinking there might be like a clue or something, and then Richter's like, give me them journals, and he sticks them in her desk. And so Victoria's like, ah, I found the Illuminati. It's it's Richter. He's the Illuminati guy. I was like, oh man, he's a bad guy. So, Langdon, Vetra, and the police all storm Castle St. Angelo. And, and everybody looks around for like five minutes. And the police are like, clearly he's not here. Let's all give up. We've been here. We've shined our <laughs> flashlights on everything once. Let's stop looking for this bomb. We've done what we've done. So what if we haven't checked here, there? And, and then Robert's like, you, right. Robert's like, like wait. <laughs> it's got to be here somewhere. And then he's like, oh, look. There's this wall that's slightly out of line with the wall behind it making a little path. It was, like, difficult to see at first, but I looked for four extra seconds and found it. Come on back, police guys. But they can't find them. They're gone. The police are gone. They're fine. 
And, and so they go down this path and they find the secret church of the Illuminati. And wouldn't you know, there's the brands. All the... Whoa, back Betty! Hamburgrams all in one box. Just sitting there and, and, and Robert's like, oh, the bomb's got to be somewhere here. And then the assassin's like, hey guys, um, I'm gonna, I don't want to shoot you guys because I'm not getting paid to kill you. But I'm going to need you to stop for just a little bit, okay? I'm going to leave. Bye. And so he runs away. The assassin does. Robert doesn't even think about chasing after him. He runs away. He scales down a wall. He gets a text. It's like, hey, your last payment's in this Volvo. Or no, it was a Volkswagen because Volkswagen paid $20 to be put into this movie. He's like, hey, your last payment's in this Volkswagen. He's like, great. Finds himself a Volkswagen Jetta. Finds the keys taped underneath the tires. And then turns the ignition and boom. No more assassin. He blew up. He, he done did blow, blowed up. So the assassin's a grease spot on the corner, first in Maine. So the, you know the, the 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 assassin's done. His story's done. He's done. He killed some people. Not enough. Well, he would have been fine if you know they hadn't figured out the or the if clues. he probably wasn't expecting that. Or if he wasn't like to the the preferities when they're tied up, guys. I want you to know this is the best audio I've ever heard. Oh, it's so good. You like the dog? <laughs> He's like, hey guys, I know I'm going to kill you guys here in, a, in you know, the hour on the hour, but in case anyone asks, you've been kept in the Castile St. Angelo. So, I want you guys to know that. Like, if he just blindfolded them or didn't tell them that, then they, they would be dead in the water. I want to say in the book, they find the, the castle. It's not just like as simple as the guy told them. I don't know. I could be wrong about that, but I would think that if he knew that he was going to be, uh, you know, he knew he was being watched. He knew Robert Langdon was right there watching him dump the dude in the pool. And he was surrounded by a bunch of other people. And then he drives away. Of course, Robert Langdon's going to try to save the guy. Why didn't he dump him in the water and then shoot him like all the other guys hey, to make sure that he's dead? He he just ran out of bullets. <laughs> well, yeah, he used them all in the, in that fire scene where he went through like four magazines. When he went through, and he was the papal John Wick. Um, <laughs> he's dead now. The assassin's dead. Langdon and Victoria find a secret passage. I mean, that's a little do ex machina, wouldn't you think? That they just are like, oh look, there's a secret passage we found. Now we can get back straight to the place where we need to be for the story to take place. They find the secret ex machina. What is that? Do ex machina. It, it it's a storing telling device that basically says when something appears in order to make the story happen, and it's convenient. Uh, I'm going to try to work that into conversation in the ne next week. I'll let you guys know how that turns out. Hey, yeah. you guys ever been to the do ex machina? What <laughs> you did? What? <laughs> I just took me a do ex machina. What? You guys ever done? You guys, you guys ever did the Do West Macarena? What was it again? Do Schmackerson? It's Do X Machina, which is Latin. Uh, it basically means God out of the machine. It's a plot device where by a seemingly unsolvable problem in a story is suddenly and abruptly resolved by an unexpected and unlikely occurrence. 
I so, love it when a plan comes together. So, yeah, that's exactly what this tunnel was. It was Duex Machina. Where it's just like, oh, look, oh, there's that tunnel we didn't notice that runs straight back to where everybody else is at. Let's go. And so they run down. Luke, did you know Duex Machina? I did not. I've heard of a movie called Ex Machina, but I did not know um, that term. All right, Zach, this is where you edit in the the more you know stinger and we move on. They go down this secret tunnel and they bang on the door and the door's opened because the keys are in the door that locked the secret passage. <laughs> well, they have to be. I mean... I mean, if you're running from, <clears throat> you know, an assassin, you're not going to be like, Crud, where'd I put that old key? No, they weren't running. If you're in the Vatican, you already, you already, know, you already know that, you know. It's right, like, they it's, weren't like, running from, they, they ran to a dead end of this secret tunnel, and they're like, hi, hi, it's me, Woody, uh, Toy Story. Is anybody out there to, to, to let me out? I need out here. I need to get back to Andy. And then they're like, oh, what's that? Woody from Toy Story's yelling at us. I better go get them out. And then they run up. They're like, oh, the keys are just in the door. Great. Click. Come on in, Woody. And so he comes. Uh, uh, <laughs> Robert Langdon and Victoria Beckham come running in. And uh, just in time to hear Father Obi-Wan Kenobi screaming from his office. And they break down the door. And there's Father Obi-Wan Kenobi. He has been branded with a fifth brand. There's five brands now. And wouldn't you know, Richter's standing there over him. And Obi-Wan's like, shoot him. He's got. He's he's a bad guy. Go ahead, shoot him. And then all the Swiss Guard and all of, of the Vatican, which there's only like ten left now after that fire scene where they all got murdered. There's like... Ten Vatican guys like pew, 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 pew. And then boom, uh, Richter's dead. But as he dies, Langdon looks down. He's got a little gold key in his key in his hand. And Langdon's like, thank you. I'm going to just stick on to that for the, the wrap up when we finish this thing. I still don't know where the bomb's at. It wasn't at the special church. It wasn't at anything. And then suddenly it hits him. They know where the bomb is. It's in St. Peter's tomb. So they rush down to the sewer hole that they just threw Peter's body, allegedly. Ah, but, uh, anyways, they found the, 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 the antimatter thing and they've got more time. They, they needed five minutes. That's all they needed. They had five minutes that Victoria could put up her backup battery on this thing and be good. But then right before she's about ready to pull the wire, she's like, Hey, it's cold down here. That means that this battery <laughs> doesn't have five minutes left. And nobody questions that, going, well, that's real dumb. It's real dumb that, that well, that's that's the yeah, plot how, device how do you know? we're going with. As a guy who uses a camera all the time, that's that's legit. No, I'm not saying that cold doesn't affect the battery. I'm just saying, how do you know? But then Father Obi-Wan Kenobi's like, what? I don't know. I just, it's just, it, whatever. Fine. It, it You can't fix it. There's less than five minutes. Whatever. So they're just like, maybe we should just leave it in this hole because maybe it won't blow up all the Vatican, just a lot of it. <laughs> but that's that's not <laughs> it's just, just, people will only be partially dead. Like 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 the warnings of the trumpets in Revelation, only a third of the people will die. Um, 
but that's not that doesn't sit well with Father Obi Wan Kenobi. He's like, no, no one's gonna die, and he just grabs his bomb and just runs through the entire Vatican City like he didn't just get branded on his stupid chest, and he just runs to a, a, a wonderfully placed helicopter that was there for some reason, and he gets on the helicopter because not only is he a father in the Catholic Church. But conveniently, he also just mentioned in a monologue that he was a pilot in the Italian Air Force. Of course he was. And so he tells the pilot of the Vatican's helicopter, he's like, Hey, Honcho, why don't you hop on out of there? This year's going to be a solo flight. And he hops on the, the helicopter and he just flies up in the air. Just That's the noise it made. Ron Howard's not good at, at Foley work. And then... I looked at my wife, because we're both watching this movie together, and I was like, is he going to Batman Returns this? That's what he's doing, isn't it? He's Dark Knight Returning this. Because that's exactly the plot of the Dark Knight, where Batman takes a nuke out to sea oh, yeah. in the Batcopter. So he flies up in the air. The bomb goes off. It's one of the most beautiful bombs I've ever did see in my whole life. It is. It's just gorgeous CGI, this scene. Just this thing to behold. Big ball of light, and then this giant wave of energy just makes everyone hit the deck. And nobody dies from that, which I find to be unbelievable, because it looked like the energy from this bomb was massive. I mean, it was so much that, for some reason, we have like a five-minute scene of, of the Sistine Chapel ceiling just crumbling down. Why is that there? <laughs> <laughs> Ron Howard's I, uh, like, Ron Howard's just like, I hate Michelangelo. Kill it. I mean, calm down, though. How can a helicopter fly? I have doubts that it made it high enough. Well, if that's um, your doubt, then you're really going to doubt what happens next. Because sure mm-hmm. enough, like a, like a, like a whirly bird from an oak tree, down comes Father Obi-Wan on a parachute. And he... Is kind of he, you know, he he has to deal with this the force of this this bomb going off. He smacks the top of this uh, the Vatican a couple times, real good, and it knocks him out. And it's kind of funny just to see him like limp and ragdolling down into the crowd. I, I laughed at that, and everybody saves him, and they're like, "Oh, look, this is clearly who God wants to be the Pope because he saved the Vatican." And I'm like, "Oh, they're gonna make Father Obi Wan." The youngest pope ever will probably change his name to, like, Pope Kenobi. It'll be great. (laughs) Pope Kenobi. And I contend that he could not have survived the blast in the parachute. Oh, and by the way, apparently there's a rule in the Catholic Church that when you're electing a pope, you can elect a young guy who is not qualified to be pope if everybody just shouts out that they want him to be pope. It's called... Uh, being elected Pope by acclamation. So the next time the Pope dies, I say we get a whole bunch of people together, go over to the Vatican, <laughs> <laughs> and just start shouting my name. Be like, Zach Geiler! Woo! I want to be the Pope. Now hold up. I thought you wanted to be the next, uh, uh, was that called, Caliph? You wanted Ca- to come no, up out of I a wanna, well? I want to be the, the next Muslim caliphate, but think about how easy caliphate, that would be yeah. if I had the resources of the entire Vatican behind me. Hmm. I'm telling you, I, don't know, man. I could be, be both. I could become Caliphate. Yeah, that'd be my Pope name. I'd be Pope Caliphate the first. Pope Caliphate. And so they're ready to make this guy the Pope. 
Pope Obi-Wan. But when Langdon and Victoria go to retrieve the journals that were stolen from Victoria earlier from Richter's office, they find a, a little computer screen in a hidden compartment in his desk. A little computer screen that runs off of a gold key, because that's how that works. Luke, are you still trying to figure out how high helicopters could fly? I definitely am. Because <laughs> we, so we've moved on from that this, for like five minutes now. I'm just wait for you to chime in. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm deep in Reddit at this point. <laughs> in 2012, the Pope used a Skyker Sky SH-30D. Unfortunately, as a military aircraft, it's difficult to find performance. A number of references cite a climb rate of 500 to 600 meters per minute, which is consistent with a typical aircraft. Uh, this guy says, I'm not particularly experienced with antimatter explosions, but it would have been, but one gram of antimatter could potentially be a one megaton nuke, which covers three kilometers easily and would kill everything within that three kilometers and a further eight kilometer, 50% mortality rate from collateral damage. <laughs> so let's see, 500 meters. How many meters are there in a, I only know feet meters in a so mile. so specific or so basically you could have he was climbing at if he was going as fast as he could 3200 feet a second or, or a minute let's say he had three minutes on there that's over a mile wow he's now keep in mind that this movie takes place in a universe where time means absolutely nothing <laughs> to anyone we've already established that how can you parachute though off the earth well, he hits the autopilot button, so he so he jumped when it was safe for him it's to jump, true. and the helicopter stepped going up. Look, it doesn't make sense. It's dumb. So let's just move on. Okay? Can we talk just for a moment? As Scott, or, or Luke, they just unlocked a computer with a tiny gold key. Can we can we t discuss that for a minute? <laughs> I mean, that's like, if you, if you work in the Vatican, if you're in charge of the Swiss Guard who wears, like, those balloon pants and whatnot, like... If you have anything to unlock your desk and computer other than a gold key, like I would be ashamed of you. Yeah, it's dumb. Everything at the Vatican is just gold keys. You get a gold key, you get a gold key, Peter gets a gold key, he gets two of them. Yeah, because he was the first. They cross and they're upside down. Um, turns out that uh, in order to keep an eye on the Pope when he was having his seizures and whatnot, uh, Richter had a camera system installed. It wasn't creepy. The Pope knew about it. But he had a camera system installed, and sure enough, it recorded what happened uh, moments before Robert Langdon and Victoria uh, uh, busted up in there and saw this young father, Obi-Wan Kenobi, branded on the floor. Turns out that Obi-Wan Kenobi killed, his, killed the Pope. Luke was so shocked there what? that he dropped something. <laughs> he done What? Yeah, Obi-Wan Kenobi killed the Pope because the Pope was like, hey guys, let's maybe see what this antimatter research is all about. And he was like, no. You know the church's stance. We hate everything that has to do with anything technological or advanced. We unlock our computers with gold keys, not passwords or fingerprint scanners or facial recognition. Gold keys, that's all we do here. 
And so basically he pretended to be Illuminati, which is ironic because the Illuminati were all about illumination and bringing science out to the world. And uh, he used them to uh, kill everybody and make people want him to be the next pope. Because time means nothing in this movie, and so he just so happened to plan this out perfectly timeline-wise. He had just enough time to get in the helicopter, just enough time to parachute down, just enough time to, you know, recover his consciousness from smacking the roof of the Vatican a couple of times. He branded himself. He's just a real, he was just a real, real big, big turd. They go into the papal conclave and interrupt them for like the 47th time in this movie. We didn't really talk about all the interruptions because they didn't really matter to the plot, but they happened. He goes and interrupts the papal conclave and they're like, hey, <laughs> hey, do me a favor and don't make this guy the next pope, please. And they're like, okay, we won't. Hey, hey, by the way, turns out that your uh, fourth preferiti is still here, so why don't you take one more vote? And they do, and the white smoke comes up, and, and the first... Branded, tattooed, awesome Pope is is elected Pope. But that all happens in just a minute. Now, Father Obi-Wan realizes that he's been exposed. And so what's he going to do? Did you guess take a candle from an altar somewhere, walk down the steps, pour the oil that was in the candle on the altar over himself, and then smash a candle down that was lit and then burn himself alive? Because if you did, you got it right. You get 10 points this week. That was some straight Denethor action. It's called self-immolation. Suicide by burning right, alive. So, so my question is, if you had committed some great crimes and you you know, had yes. almost become the Pope and turned out that you weren't going to become the Pope. You Hold on a second. You forever. said if. You should have said when. When you become the Pope? When I commit some great crimes in order to set myself up to become a Pope thanks to acclamation. Oh, okay. <laughs> when when that happens, and if you get caught, are you burning yourself alive, or are you going to jail for the rest of your life? No, I'm running down to the archives where they had all those cars that were right next to all the priceless artifacts, and I'm going to take some of Jermaine's... Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm actually going to take some of Hippocrates' uh, invented rubber hosiery, is what he called it. It was the first rubber hose. And uh, I'm going to attach that to the muffler of one of those fancy cars, get in, turn the car on, and die of carbon monoxide poisoning. Because I heard it's like falling asleep, and then you just never wake up again. It's quite nice. I feel like if I had the smarts to pull off this con to the extent that he did, that he also would have built in a backup plan and an escape route if things went wrong, right? I mean, he's like fully committed apparently because he has no backup plan. <laughs> mm -hmm. But that's what I probably would have done. Or he knows the passwords to St. Peter's Crypt. So I'm running down there and I'm being like, I get a, I get a yeah. papal pardon or I trash this body. <laughs> Not only that, but everyone knows that St. Peter's Crypt, Peter, when he said those passwords, just put them all one, 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 one. I mean, it wasn't, <laughs> I mean, he was a fisherman, not a code breaker. <laughs> so he he has some leverage that he can use, and I feel like he maybe just 
didn't use it as wisely as he could have. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell everyone that you guys broke Conclave like twelve times. How do you like that? <laughs> He's gotta know some dirt on some people. So you think he you could've... think his fire starter was a little premature? You know, I just feel like actually I think I know why they did it. So well, my theory is so I don't I I like how this movie like redeems all the characters. Like all the characters in their way are pure in their motives. Right. And I think that's why he doesn't plan the escape route. You're right, because, because Victoria created antimatter in order to create a cleaner energy source. So she was innocent. Robert Langdon was an atheist who was still an atheist at the end, but he did stop and go, hmm, maybe Providence? For like one second. The old dude that was in charge of the Conclave secretly wanted to be Pope, and he didn't get to be Pope. Now he just gets to be second in command of the Pope, so he definitely got his comeuppance. Um, the only good Swiss guard died. The guy in charge of the Swiss guard died, so yeah, they their story worked out great. Their motives were good. Um, <laughs> no, 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 okay. So. Three out of the four preferee died horrible, horrible deaths. So, which is probably what they deserve, too. No, their motives. I'm talking about their motives. So, okay, okay so you're. <laughs> I feel like you're right on the first two. Like, the Italian lady, her motives are pure in creating the antimatter. She's not trying to do anything destructive, necessarily. Robert Langdon has his moments of, like, he's not a religious guy, but from where he stands, like, he's trying to do the right thing. And he's he's gentle with the religious people that he disagrees with. Then you have, like, the, the guy in the Swiss Guard who runs the Swiss Guard. He's portrayed as like he's kind of he's kind of stubborn and holds to the church traditions, right? But in the end, all he wants to do is protect the Pope and and what he believes in, which is a pure motive. And then you have even the, the even the assassin doesn't kill people just for fun. He kills people because he's for money. He believes in what he's doing to money. some extent. So he's kind of redeemed there at the Money. end, though. Okay, let's he, go back to that just for a second there. Because he says, and I quote, uh, I'm not, to Robert and Victoria, when he's facing off with them in the Illuminati church, he goes, I'm not going to kill you because nobody paid me to do it. I can, yeah, motive secure. <laughs> no, he's, he is being paid. He is being paid, but he clearly is like, he's concluded that this Illuminati thing is like the right thing to do. And he mentions that several times to the preferee before he brutally murders them. I mean, he even says then, that so they're making have, me a I sinner. Think... Yeah. He's like, but I don't like killing with like... pain. Because when you kill with pain, God doesn't mind you killing, but when you kill with pain, that's when he gets a little bit mad. Right, so it's basically a good, a good right. Christian. perfect. And then you have the even the camera lingo. Who is... now? The camera lingo. Italy's uh, favorite Fa hidden camera show, camera camera Father lingo. <laughs> Father Obi One murders the Pope because yes, <laughs> it was from he an honest heart, Zach. He had good intentions. He murders, he murders the Pope, but because... he murders him because he thinks that he's going too far in the progressive. You know, he's he's looking right. into the technology too far, and that's gonna undermine what the church has and he cares about the church that's why i so, next week am going to back in time to the person who brought the melodian into the church i'm just going to shoot him right in the dome <laughs> <laughs> so like is it perhaps the best 
what I'm saying is like nobody is just motivated purely by like selfish motives in the movie, which I think is interesting. Like there's nobody who's just like all in it for themselves and they don't care what they do. They all believe in something and they go to extremes to accomplish what they're what they believe in which I just thought was interesting because it doesn't necessarily demonize religion and it doesn't demonize the atheists and everyone's trying to do their best. And I feel like it's interesting how it turns out in the end. Yeah. You're probably and I think right. That's why that, I think that you, it, I, I would, it's going to agree with your point up until the end. I would say that the only person who was doing it for selfish reasons, because if you were truly a good Catholic, you think the Pope is infallible. You would go along with what the Pope said. You wouldn't murder the Pope. So, I would argue that that Father Obi-Wan did it for selfish reasons, and that is why he is the one who dies through self-immolation, and that symbolizes hell. Obviously, fire equals hell. He dies because because he was the only one that was not trying to be righteous. He was being rotten. Yeah, but I think he... So that was was what I was trying to bring this back to. Why are you holding a camera in your hand? He doesn't. (laughs) He doesn't have an escape. (laughs) The reason that he doesn't have an escape plan is because he's all in about doing this and accomplishing it because it's what he believes in, right? And just escaping with his crimes isn't his his motive, just getting away with it, right? Mm -hmm. He wants to save the church or what he believes that the church should be. So clearly he's smart enough to put together an escape plan, but he doesn't because his his motives are for the good of the church. And if he fails at that, then, you know, he has nothing left. So he kills himself. And I agree with you. It's not, uh, they're, they're not purely selfish. They're just mostly selfish. All right. So (laughs) father, father, Obi-Wan's got, got himself all burned up. And the next morning, Cardinal Baggia, which is the fourth preferiti is elected the new Pope. And he chooses the name Pope Luke, an allusion yes. to, to the biblical Luke, being both a doctor and an apostle, symbolically bridging the gap between science and religion. And the Vatican also Luke announces... An that's what Wikipedia says. He wasn't, but he was. In, in Dan Brown's universe... Symbolically bridging the gap between science and religion, the Vatican also announces that McKenna, who was in charge, or excuse me, the Vatican also tells the press just a straight up lie. They just straight up lie <laughs> <laughs> because they say they they say that Father Obi Wan died from his injuries from his parachute landing, which means that everyone's like, hey, we should canonize him as a saint now. So that's going to be nice. Mm-hmm. That's going to be nice. Because, you know, you said that they don't really, they don't, you're right. They they don't paint Catholicism in the right great light. They, they point out a lot of Catholics' crimes over the years. But man, that last thing where they're just like, hey, we're going to make this guy a saint. In reality, he murdered a pope and then set himself on fire. 
but we're going to mm-hmm. make him a saint. And they're just like, see, Catholic history is all just a bunch of crap. <laughs> well, I like the one news reporter, too, that said, you know, this has been one of the smoothest conclaves in recent history. Yeah, that's true. It ends like, this was the most easiest one I've ever seen. Apparently, she just got there that morning and wasn't there for the giant ball of light. And <laughs> and I love I feel like this is like what what Dan Brown does really well in his books is like he throws crap like that in there at the end. And it's like you, it makes you wonder like how many lies actually get told about what goes on and things smoothed over to save the reputation of these institutions. What I'm wondering is why nobody in that line is mentioning, mentioning the fact that the Sistine chapels paintings by Michelangelo fell to the ground that night. I mean, I feel like that's one of the most famous and significant art pieces in the world. The fact that they're like, oh, there's a new pope. I feel like the new pope would actually be second fiddle to the fact that uh, the Sistine Chapel's ceiling collapsed last night. They haven't told anybody yet. They're going to repaint it. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Langdon has been trying to get down into the archives of the Catholic Church forever because he's writing this book on the Catholic Church. And the Catholics are like, dude, we know you. We know what you're like. We're not going to let you in there until you can tell the whole world our secrets. Until the end of the book, or the movie, when uh, the new Pope, second-in-command, Cardinal Strauss, who, you know, was the head of the conclave. I don't think I mentioned that, but he was. He's like, hey, Mr. Langdon, I got a gift for you. Oh, it's just Galileo's rare second book. And he's just like, thanks for your help. Just make sure this get back to us when you die. That's nice. Um... Yeah, he's like, hey, put us in your will, or we'll come after your children, and your children's children. (laughs) Probably would. Before Pope Luke goes out onto his balcony to give his Urbi et Orbi, which is what it's called, when the Pope waves at people for the first time, the Urbi et Orbi. You know what's funny is at one point in this movie, the one of the cardinals makes the comment that the church is just simple men trying to do the will of God. There ain't nothing simple about the Catholic Church. If your name for waving at people for the first time is Urbi et Orbi, you were the most complicated group of people in the entire world. Before the religion Pope, is nothing but fraud. Before the no, that's not what it was. I the, the shush, Scott. Why why'd you say that? It doesn't make any because sense. That's I not, haven't done that yet. <laughs> That, that, that the whole movie did not say that. If anything, it was pointing to the finger to the fact that the Catholic Church might be right, or at least providence of God was active. Did the Pope not say that at the end of the movie? No, he didn't. Who was it that said that? Nobody. What movie did you watch? He said this was vacation. He said religion is flawed because it is because it is filled with flawed men. But God is not. That's what he said. Could you not? But and you took that 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 quote to I heard, mean I heard to, to mean religion is fraud. No, he was saying that you know organized religion can make mistakes sometimes because they're filled with people. But God is still righteous and good. I agree I with really that statement. Get my ears checked. Scott's mind. That quote was hey, religion's fake. I'm just an atheistic cardinal now. <laughs> <laughs> My new name is Cardinal Booch Taylor. In the end, Booch. in the end of the movie, Pope Luke gives Langdon and Victoria a thankful nod. I, I mean, I think it would have been nice if he would have said, "Hey guys, thank you," but don't worry about that. You're the Pope now. You don't have to do anything like that. And he goes out on the balcony. She's like, I got other crap to do. I got to wave at people and show them my 
Irby at Orby. How could you walk out on a podium like that? I feel like I would think of nothing else other than um, Herod. You know, when he walks out and everyone worships him and he gets eaten by worms. That's what I would feel like if I walked out on the balcony. Yeah. Like, oh, my adoring fans. Yeah. That's the end of the movie. It's, you know, I mean, it's a pretty good movie. Mm. Next week, we're going to be watching The Da Vinci Code. Before we go, let me tell you a little story about these two dumb jocks who were sitting on a park bench, and an old lady comes by. She says, hey, I got a riddle for you. What has two heads, four arms, four legs, and stinks something awful? And the the dumb jocks look at each other, and one of them shrugs. She goes, oh, I don't know. What, what has two heads, four arms, four legs, and sticks something awful? You and your friend, the woman says as she staggers away, <laughs> chuckling. And the guys look at each other and start laughing. <laughs> that was funny. That was a funny riddle. That lady told us, they say. Let's go try it on someone else. And laughing hysterically, they see two guys and they approach them and smile. Hey, we got a riddle for you. Well, it has two heads, four arms, four legs, and stinks something awful. <laughs> and the the, guy, the two guys shrug, wait for the answer. The wrestlers, or the, the two dumb jocks chuckle again. And, and one of them says with a smirk, <laughs> Me and my friend. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. See you next Thursday. I got to pee. Oh, thanks for that. Well, Merry, Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Hanukkah. I'm going to go dog. drink some eggnog and some bucha. Bucha. Happy Canadian Boxing Day. Mm-hmm. Alright guys, take care. Alright, bye. Alright. That's why they need to bring more fairies back, Zach. Yeah. I think it's, I'm going to appreciate the next bridge I drive over just a little bit more. But there are no bridges in Guam. It's true. But me and Scott rode on a ferry, the oldest continual running ferry in Kentucky. There's no bridge. There's just this boat that takes your car across. And me and Scott drove it, dro- took Joseph on it because we thought Joseph would like it. He did, actually. And then, you know, it took us to another side of a river, a side that I didn't need to be on. So I turned around about a mile down the road, came back, and then me and Scott got, like, yelled at by the ferry driver. Why? He was like, True story. He was like, huh? Ride the ferry again, are you? Like, there's no other cars around. It's not like we're, we're impeding your job. You're on this side of the river. You have to go to the other side of the river to pick up the car waiting over there. Just shut up and let me ride on the ferry. Uh, yeah. Did you have to pay him for this? Or? No. It, um, like, yeah, it technically I did because my tax dollars paid for it. The tax dollars pay. So Kentucky still has like government run. Yes, sir. Only, Zach paid. I rode for yes. free. Kentucky had has government-run ferries, but only during Pride Month. Um, 
That was what? that was that was a good joke. Just I'm just gonna. That was bad. That was a bad joke. Sit in it for a minute. <laughs> Daddy. <laughs>